Christmas Sunday, the last Sunday of the year before Christmas Day. And so I wanted to touch on a subject today that, that would strengthen us. It would help us. It would remind us, you know, we've talked so much about the reason why we're celebrating Advent. It's to keep us focused. Amen. It's easy at Christmas time to get out of focus. You know, all you got to do, you don't believe me, visit Costco tomorrow morning when it opens, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, and uh, you know, remember your self-defense methods, and you can move, duck, roll, tuck and roll, whatever you got to do, right, to get through it without being injured. You know, there are things in the Word of God, and, and, and we were just talking about this the other day, Gloria. What, what do we do? You see a Bible. You say, oh, this looks good. Let me tell you about the Bible. You open that Bible, you've got to look for several things in there, or it's not a Bible. You're going to look for the shed blood of Jesus Christ, right? Well, we're going to look at that. Why, why is the shed blood so important? You're going to know when we leave here today. Well, we think we know already. Well, we're going to know some more, right? We're going to put some more arrows in our quiver. Weaponry, that we, we can represent well when questions arise. Uh, you want to look for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, if that's not in there. And there are people who have said, oh, I like the Bible, but I don't like these things. And they've taken them out. You can find Bibles being sold in bookstores where you look through there, and, and this is missing. One of the things is the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. If that's not in the Bible, it, it's not a Bible. It's not the Word of God. It's not the truth. You, shouldn't, you should get rid of it. Don't buy it. Don't spend money on it. Don't waste money on it. Stay away from it. Treat it like it is the plague, right? Because what you've done is you've taken a book that has life in it, and you've taken the heart out of that book. You've taken the life out of that book, you see. And one of the things that I've noticed as a counselor, and this may surprise you somewhat, but it shouldn't, I have found people, I've heard people tell me, well, you know, I, I believe in God, I believe in the Bible, but that virgin birth thing, I just don't see why it's so important. To them, it's just incidental. It's just something they could take or they can leave. I'm going to warn you again. If you can find anything in the Bible that you can't believe, the Bible is not for you. It's worthless to you if you find one thing that you can say, I disagree with this, I don't believe in this, this is, I, I just, I can take it or leave it, I don't believe in it, it's not for me, then the book is not for you. It's not for you. And, and the only cure for that is getting saved. All right? That, that's the only cure for that, is getting saved, right? And, and so what? So, Pastor, whoa, wait a minute. Did you say that maybe there's people here that aren't saved today? Well, yeah, maybe. If you don't believe in the virgin birth of Christ, you don't believe in the shed blood of Jesus Christ for our sins, you don't believe that he died on the cross, was buried in a tomb, and then was raised from the dead by God himself, and was seen by a whole bunch of people, and then ascended to the Father, seated at the right hand, making intercession for us. If any of that, if you don't believe any of that, then none of it's any good to you. And I can almost, as a matter of fact, I can guarantee you that it's real difficult to find a person's name in the Lamb's Book of Life that doesn't believe any of that or all of that. Amen? Ooh, Pastor, you're kind of mean. It's Christmas, don't you? You need to lighten up a little bit. No, I don't need to lighten up. I need to, you know, I need to go all gas and no brakes. Amen? All gas and no brakes. I like that phrase. I like that, right? All right, now, turn with me. 
in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, and let's get Christmas going. Amen? Let's get real Christmas going. Luke chapter 1, verse 31. This title to this message is The Unequaled Birth of Christ. I'm going to convince you today, I'm going to convince you of this truth if you need convincing. Most of you don't, but if anybody does, listen to this. Luke chapter 1, verse 31. We're going to read through verse 38. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Say that with me. Nothing will be impossible with God. One more time. Nothing will be impossible with God. Now, that time you sounded a little more convinced, okay? All right, watch this with me. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That's how you're supposed to respond. And the angel departed from her. Why? Wow, he's done, right? She's received the message, right? I, I think that even though the story is nothing less than magnificent, wonderful, we know, of course, that Jesus did not have a start in Bethlehem, right? We, we know from last week's sermon, Jesus has always been, right? He's always been. The truth does not diminish the importance of the account of the virgin birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because it was his beginning on this earth in the flesh. Amen? Now, as we're already aware, the world, the world mocks this story. You know that, don't you? Like they mock most of the stories about Jesus Christ in the Bible. There are those who claim to be Christians even who doubt the validity of the virgin birth of Jesus. If this is true of anyone in the room today, I said this can be fixed. All you need to do is get saved. Already spit that out, right? Some believe this truth about Jesus is only incidental and not important. It's, it's, it, it's, it is important. According to Scripture, there is no hope of salvation apart from the virgin birth of Christ. Now say, brother, where do you find that exactly? Listen to me. Everything I told you this morning, the virgin birth of Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, all of that is essential to your salvation. If you cannot exercise faith in those statements, then you're in trouble. You know, you know, the older I get, the more I realize that my life is nothing but a vapor. Boom. You know, nothing but a vapor. Whew. I mean, just yesterday, you know, uh, you know, me and my brothers were playing games. I mean, and, you know, out in the yard or whatever. And now, I, I, you know what they say? They say, I, I can say this, I think. They say, when you're born, you believe in Santa Claus. It's about guys. You believe in Santa Claus. Then you don't believe in Santa Claus. Then you become Santa Claus, and then you look like Santa Claus, right? <laughs> I rest my case, right? I rest my case, right? 
and my life, boom, my life's been lived. You say, whoa, Brother Dennis, you got 20 more years. Do I? Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. I know that I'm very excited about pastoring this church, and I'm asking God for years to pastor this church and the energy to pastor this church. And we're already seeing amazing things, you know, that God's doing, and I thank God for it. But listen to this. Listen to this very carefully. Without the virgin birth, the whole foundation of Christianity could be destroyed. If you can get the world or you can get even heresy preached into the, into the church on the back of truth, if you get that going in the church and people start believing it, they're dead before they even know it. Dead before you hit the floor. Do you understand what I'm saying? DRT, we used to say, dead right there. In today's message, we're going to focus on three thoughts regarding the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus, and I'll, I'll, it'll make it, I'll make it clear to you through the word how this is going to work. Before I do that, let me make a statement. The virgin birth of our Lord and Jesus Christ is not incidental. It's fundamental. It's a fundamental truth. And if you take that truth out of that series of things that we're supposed to believe to be Christians, the whole house falls. It all falls. First point. There is a sacred mystery to his birth. Now, let's, let's, rehearse, some of, let's rehearse some of the things that were, were spoken of about Jesus and some of the things that unfolded. And there are the things in the story you know, but there are little pieces we've got to pick out. First of all, an angel announced to Mary that she would be with child. Mary was a virgin who was engaged to marry Joseph. Familiar with the story? Mary and Joseph had not yet come together in the act of marriage, according to Luke chapter 1, verse 34. The words, no, not, literally mean that she had not had relations with a man. Now, listen to this. Listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. This is an important note. The virgin birth does not depend upon our understanding for its validation. We don't, we don't have to know exactly how God brought it about. Amen. I mean, look, if you knew every single solid de detail about it, it would just remove your need for faith. And faith is the very framework we stand upon. Amen? The framework we stand upon. Now, there are many things that we don't understand, and yet we still experience it. Listen to this. Did you know how, you know how I know that the virgin birth of Jesus is not a biological impossibility? Because all things are possible with God. Now listen to me. Everybody knows, um, you know, you have your beautiful child with you. I, I'm not trying to, to be crass here, but we all have a pretty good idea how those things come about, right? And it was different for when Jesus was conceived. It's different. That's all, you, all we have to know. We know that God laid out certain principles that are like laws that govern the world, how babies are made. But do you know that God is not even bound by those laws he makes? Do you know why they wanted to kill Jesus? They wanted to kill Jesus. The very, one of the very first times they decided we're going to kill this man is him and his disciples are walking through a field of corn on the Sabbath, and they're hungry. So what do they do? Grab corn. And they're rubbing the corn off the stalks. They're going to eat it, right? And, and Pharisees saw him, questioned him, what are you doing working on the Sabbath? Now, I'm going to tell you, Jesus gave them a long, drawn-out answer, but it was the last thing he said, and I'm going to paraphrase. He said, but I made the Sabbath, and I'll do with it whatever I want. That's when they said, we ought to kill this man. This man must die. 
because he claims to be the creator of the Sabbath. But it's true that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, whether we like it, whether we understand it or we don't understand it, doesn't matter. God can do anything he wants to do. If he wants to pull a camel through the eye of a needle without killing it, he can do it. You understand what I'm saying? And he doesn't need us to make excuses for him. Oh, it was a hole in the wall. No, it was a needle and an eye and a camel. All right? Don't, don't add or take away from it. Amen? All right, so with God, all things are possible. I don't need to understand every detail. But, but I, want you to, I want you to see some things that I'm just, you know, you're sitting there and you see these things and you kind of get amazed. You get, okay, I see that. When you say, I see that, you're not seeing it with your eyes. You're seeing it with your spirit. Watch this with me. God is not bound by the very laws that he himself created in the universe that he also made. Why? Because God is the master and the Lord of the universe. I don't find it difficult to believe in the virgin birth because of creation. Now, why does creation make it easier for me to believe in the virgin birth? Well, think about this. You're there. Say you're there. You're watching. You're fly on the wall. And God's creating all these things, right? The virgin birth of Jesus Christ does not, I mean, it, it astounds me, it amazes me, but it, there's no doubt in me why. Because the first man and woman God ever made, he made them without a mother or a father. You see what I'm saying? Isn't that exciting? And the, and the man he made, he made him out of clay, which God made out of nothing. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, is the virgin birth all that difficult to grasp? When you think about what, what God did with Adam and Eden, what he did with the Garden of Eden, and actually, that was all Jesus. Jesus carried that out. That was part of the plan God made. And Jesus, John tells us the Word was there, and the Word made all those things. You know? I think that's exciting. And, and look, if you're going to put your foot in the door and, and believe that God created the earth and he created Adam and Eve, go on and believe that Jesus Christ is a virgin birth on this earth was real. Amen? Go ahead and play around on that money bank, and eventually you're going to fall in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's not a bad thing. You're going to get wet. Amen? Hey, it's time that when it comes to the things of God, not only do we get wet, we get soaking wet. Amen? You know, remember when the, when the apostles were there and getting their feet washed by Jesus, you know, and, and Peter goes, whoa, whoa, you, you, you can't wash my feet. And he tells Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you can't be one of mine. And Peter said, then wash my head. Wash my body. You know, Peter was impetuous, and he did some stupid things in his life. And, and of course, he's the only one. I've never, I've never, <laughs> I never fell in the temptation to do anything stupid. No, I've done more than my share. Amen? But he was impetuous. But when he saw the light, when he saw something, and it pierced his spirit, he bought in. He bought in. Don't only wash my feet, then Jesus. Wash me from head to toe. Get me soaking wet. Wash me from head to toe. Well, I think that's a good thing, right? So I believe that, that God, you know, that, that Jesus, you know, they created this realm we're in. They created the Garden of Eden. They created all those animals. And he created Adam and he created Eve out of Adam. I mean, look at that material, you know. We could, we could say a lot about that, but we'll, we'll stop right there. But, but watch, watch this. God made Adam out of clay that he formed out of nothing. Creation and the virgin birth may be mysterious to us, but they are not mysterious to God. There's no mystery in it to God, right? It shouldn't concern us if we cannot explain the virgin birth. 
because we can't explain God either. Amen? We can join Mary in asking, how can this be? But we also join the angel when we say, with God, all things are possible. If we have difficulty believing the virgin birth, then our real difficulty is that our God is too small. God is not too small. Matter of fact, I'm just being dealt with to stop trying to think of Father in in, in the way of size at all. The human imagination has not been equipped to imagine God's size, his power, his ability, his strength, his love, his mercy, his grace, all of those things. With Father, they are immeasurable. That makes Christmas special. Amen? Point number two, there is a saving. I wrote uh, ministry to his birth, but it's supposed to be there's a saving mystery to his birth, and we'll discuss why. In Luke chapter 2, if you want to turn there, in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone about around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. There's a word that you've heard before, I'm sure, that uh, an English word that we use to describe this process of God being made flesh, and it's called the incarnation. The incarnation and the virgin birth were necessary for our salvation. God gave Adam and Eve dominion in the Garden of Eden. They sinned and lost that dominion. They turned that dominion over to Satan, and rather than being servants of God, they became slaves to Satan. The entire human race became infected with sin. Our dominion was lost by man. The only way it can be returned to us is by another man, that man being Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15:22. you might want to write that down. But the scripture itself says, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Jesus Christ is called the last Adam. Why? Because he undid everything that Adam did wrong. Jesus Christ, the last Adam, was born of a virgin to undo what the first Adam did. Apart from the virgin birth, there is no hope of salvation you can't kick one of the legs off of a stool and expect it to stand up if all of the legs are integral to that stool being in an upright position and the virgin birth is one of those sin must be paid for it must be atoned now please forgive me ahead of time i i just like going to the word of god and just laying it out in the bible you ought to be able to see it in the word of god not just me talking at you I don't want to just be talking at you. I want to share Scripture with you. So bear with me here. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, 
but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Go back to the Old Testament. Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 20. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. Even in the Old Testament, they understood that without God, you die in your sin. Now, here's, here's an amazing thing. Look at John chapter 4, verse 24. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, I looked at that verse of Scripture, and I thought, wow, have you ever been goofy like me, and you're sitting around asking yourself questions? Well, why did it have to be Jesus, you know? I mean, it had to be Jesus because that was part of the plan. The Son of God was going to give himself for us, but why couldn't it have been God, or why could it not have been the Holy Spirit? Listen to me carefully. Spirits do not bleed. Are you copying that with me now? Spirits don't bleed. That's why Jesus had to be born on this earth in the flesh. Because of the Trinity, he was the only one that could bleed for us. So not just any man could atone for our sins. He had to be a perfect man. He had to be sinless. And he had to be innocent. No son or daughter of Adam could qualify. None of us. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Now if there are trespass means riches for this world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? We are all sinners by birth, by choice, by practice, and by nature. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? We all have, right? None of us could qualify. Only Jesus. Had Jesus Christ been born as we were born, he would have been a son of Adam. He... Had he been a son of Adam, he would have been a sinner. Had he been a sinner, he could not have been innocent. Had he not been innocent, he could not have been anyone's substitute. Who knows John 3.16? Everybody knows. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Why? Because God wants us to be saved. God wants us to be saved. Amen? So what was God's answer? Of course we know what God's answer was. A sinless, perfect man. The God-man. The Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus is both truly human and fully sinless. Now I'm going to say some things about him that you're going to need to pay close attention to, but I believe if you do, God's going to help you see this picture better than you've ever seen it in your life. Because I, I started writing some things. And watch this with me. So we know that. Let me, let me just make sure I don't miss this. Lord Jesus is both truly human and fully sinless. He is human so that he might undo what the first Adam did by the shedding of blood. His blood is sinless blood. Jesus came as he did, born of a virgin. All right, hold on one second. My computer jumped. He came as he did, born of a virgin, to be what he was, sinless, to do what he did, 
die a substitutionary death to atone for our sin. He did what he did that we might be born again and go to heaven. No sinless sacrifice, no atonement. No atonement, no new birth. No new birth, no hope of heaven. He was born of a virgin that we might be born again. He came to earth that we might go to heaven. He became the son of man that we might become sons and daughters of God. Now, there's a thing called Mendel's Law of Genetics. And I, I looked at it because I wanted to know if it has anything to do with what I'm about to say. And if I, if I quoted him, I can barely understand it, much less anybody else in the room. But let me put it this way. How many of you know that you're genetically the product of your mother and your father? Yeah, all right? So Jesus was genetically a product of his mother and his father. Now listen carefully when I say this to you. Why is that important? Let's watch this. Jesus' father is truly God. Jesus' mother is truly human. Jesus is God in human flesh. He is not half God and half man. He's not all God and no man. He's not all man and no God. He is the only begotten Son of God and the only one qualified to die upon the cross for our salvation. Did that pierce a void for you? Did that help you any at all? He, he, was, he was man in the flesh, and he was God in the flesh to us. Born of a virgin, right? And because of Mary's involvement in it, that's the reason why he could come into this world in a fleshly body and use that body to pay for our sins. Amen? He could bleed. Amen? So, in my opinion, the virgin birth of Jesus is good news to all people. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. After all this, there is one most important and inescapable truth. We all need Jesus. We're not going to. We, we think that what's going on in this world is pretty important and it has its place, but compared to eternity, this is nothing. It's a, it's a, a wisp. Wave in the ocean, a wisp, a little breeze, it's over. Amen? What really matters is the next step we take. That's what really matters. Amen? You know, I, I love my wife, and, you know, I love my children, and, and that little, little one back there drinking her bottle, you know, I mean, they're, they're important to me. I love them. But the relationships are nothing compared to eternity. You know, all I can say is God's just being good to me here. That's all, you know. I thank God today I have a relationship with him, even when it feels like everything's going wrong. And you think I don't have those days? You're mistaken. I, I know we have those kinds of days. I know we do. You know? And there are times even when I know the very words that are floating around in your head. If other people knew what I was facing right now, they'd be freak slap out. They wouldn't believe it. Because we have a tendency to believe no one's going through what we're going through. We're the only ones, and we're not the only ones. Amen? Some of you have dangerous jobs. Some of you live in dangerous neighborhoods even. I mean, I don't know. You know, we don't even know what we face, but we, what we should know is the Spirit of God is with us. Amen? The angels of the Lord watch over us. Amen? And we just need to trust Him. Capital H. Amen? Him. 
All right? Okay. Last point. Once again, um, there is a sovereign majesty to his birth, a sovereign majesty to his birth. <clears throat> you know, the Old Testament name for Jesus is, uh, we, we would pronounce it Joshua, but I don't even know what it is. Yesh, Yeshua, right? Yeshua. It means Jehovah saves. Amen. As the Son of God, Jesus Christ shares the nature of God the Father. The Lord Jesus is the earthly child of a heavenly father and the heavenly child of an earthly mother. Isn't that an easy way to put it, right? In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, we learned that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. Remember that from last week? Amen? So we know once again, that, and, and we're going to talk about why this is important. Jesus did not begin with Mary in Bethlehem. Amen? He has always been. Why? Because he is as ageless as his father and older than his mother. I think weird, don't I? Really, I kind of think weird, don't I? I mean, do you sit around and think of these things? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm going to say that again. We know that Jesus didn't begin with Mary in Bethlehem. Why? Because he is as ageless as his father and older than his mother. Always has been, always will be. It's not like she's going to catch up with him one day, <laughs> right? The Lord Jesus has come to rule and to reign and is coming back again. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So, what I get from that? Jump right out. There can be no real peace. Stop right there. And I don't mean anywhere. In the world, in you, in me. There can be no real peace without the Prince of Peace. You know, you, you look like you got it all together here this morning. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, you're looking at me, I'm looking at you. We do make eye contact, don't we? <laughs> we do, right? I mean, you look like you got it together, you know. I can tell you, I can tell you this brutally and honestly. There were things that happened this morning that just tried to knock me off my feet, you know. And why do I say that to you? Because I am never going to present to you something that's unreal. Your pastor is as real as it gets. I, I like to think anyway, you know. Pray for your wife, our pastor's wife and your pastor, because the devil hates me and Ruthie. I'm convinced that he hates me and Ruthie more than he does you. <laughs> I don't really mean that. He hates all of us, doesn't he? But you know what? What if he could take out Pastor and Ruthie? What if he could get away with that? You know? He's not going to get away with it because I opened my mouth and asked for prayer. And I believe in prayer. You say, well, I hear you. You talk to, I've had people tell me, you talk to God like he's in the next room or whatever. I just have always known that Father just wants to hear my voice and wants me to talk to him, so I just talk to him. I don't try to flower it up. I don't try, I just talk to him, right? And I know that those words have life in God, and they're powerful, and they're influential, and that God wants to hear your voice directed to him. Let me tell you, he is God, right? All of the things that in, in lesser beings that wanted to be worshipped, like, you know, Baal and all those guys mentioned in the Old Testament, 
even if they could be like God, they would misuse their power and authority. They would just do that. God, God, can, God can be jealous. God can be, uh, you, know, it, you know, the ultimate in control being and all that, but he will never be abusive. Never. You understand that? He loves you, and he wants to help you. And when you talk to him about your needs, he's hearing. He hangs on your every word because he loves to hear you talk to him. Amen? That wasn't in the notes. There'll be no extra charge for that. There's something that God wanted me to remind you of, all right? All right, just four lines, three lines in the conclusion, three lines. And we'll bid you a Merry Christmas and pray for you, you know. And I just believe it's going to be a great week. Well, well, Pastor Dennis, how can you believe it's going to be a great week? Your father is lying on his deathbed for all intents and purposes in Texas. I know where my dad is going. I know where my dad is going. I know that I know as I am breathing air in this room, I know where dad's going. And I'm going to tell you, the last few months of him, for him have been very, very hard. And soon they will be hard no more forever. Hard no more forever. Will, will my heart be broken? Yes. Will you pray for me? I know you will. Will you pray for my family? I know you will. But listen to this. The hope of the individual, the hope of the church, the hope of the family, the hope of the nation, and the hope of the world is simply Jesus Christ. It's it. You know, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I can't even stand listening to the news anymore. You know, I can't stand it. You know, it's just a mess. What a quagmire, right? So what I do... I don't watch it, and I just pray, right? I really couldn't tell you much of what really is going on out there anymore because I just don't look that much anymore. And I used to get up in the morning and turn on the news because what was happening in the world that day may affect my job. It may affect what I do in security that day, right? Right, Captain? So we would watch that, and sometimes we'd turn on the news and find out that we would know that the security force is about to double, Right? And that we're going to be watching posts, probably twice as many posts. They double, you know. And, and Alyeska would just throw hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars at the security force to get anything we needed because something went wrong in the world, you know. But my, my hope is in Jesus Christ. I'll read this line again. The hope of the individual, the hope of the church, the hope of the family, the hope of the nation, and the hope of the world is Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ has come as our Savior and our protector. Take a deep breath and let it out. Relax. Jesus is on this. He's got this. Amen. So what, what are our instructions? Just up your prayer life. Just up your prayer life. Well, Jesus is on the scene. Jesus is aware. God knows everything. Jesus said, Father has knowledge of what you have need of before you ask. So what do I need to pray for? What did Jesus say? Father knows what you have need of before you ask. So when you pray, he didn't say you don't need to pray. 
He said, Father already knows what you have need of before you ask. So when you pray, why do I need to pray? Because Father wants to hear my voice, right? Number one. Number two, God is a sovereign God. He can show up in this world and do anything he wants, anytime he wants, because he's sovereign, right? But he chooses to work through the prayers of his children in this world. So if we don't pray, he don't work. Why do you think it says in the Old Testament, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways? How many of you would say with a raised hand, the world's in a bad shape today? How many of you know and understand that it's not the unsaved's fault? None of the responsibility lies on the shoulders of the unsaved. It lies on the shoulders of the children of God, not doing what they're called to do. Amen? We just need to get it right, right? I didn't put a bow on that one, but that's a good Christmas gift. But I did write this. I wrote that one note, the Lord Jesus Christ has come as our Savior and Protector, and the last line is, how about that for a Christmas present? Isn't Christmas wonderful? Isn't Jesus wonderful? It's a celebration, celebration of his birth. Like no other celebration, nobody celebrates anything like Christians celebrate Christmas. I mean, it's, it's special. Amen. And we give gifts to each other because of the greatest gift that was ever given to us. Amen. So don't go attacking Christmas to me. You don't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> I'm not going to listen to you. Don't want nothing to do with it. Amen. Christmas is a good thing. Focusing on Jesus Christ and his birth. Hey, I don't care what the world ever says. I will deliberately say Merry Christmas to complete strangers just to see what they say back to me. They may not answer me. They may go, Happy Holidays to you too. I go, Yeah, bah humbug. <laughs> I, I want to hear Merry Christmas, you know? I just want to hear Merry Christmas from people. And you know, there are still people out there that believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin in this world, lived a life for us, died on the cross for our sins, and I thank God for that. But you know what? I, I want to stand before God in heaven one day. I want to know that, that LSBC Ministries got it right. You hear what I'm saying? I want to hear that LSBC Ministries got it right. We looked in the Word, we saw what the Word said, and we did what it said. Amen? I'm telling you right now, if your life's a mess, and, and you're addicted to things and of this world, and things are, you know, hurting you in your life right now. You got to relinquish all that to Jesus. So I don't know how. Yeah, you do. Yes, you do. But sometimes we just don't want to. Sometimes we just want to hang on to it. You don't have to hang on to it. We shouldn't hang on to it. Sometimes we do. But how would you like to make this gift to Jesus Christ this year, that junk? Jesus wants the junk for Christmas. Amen? He wants to change the junk in our lives. Amen? I had a guy tell me one time in a church. He said, Pastor, your only problem is you tell people you love them too much. I still don't get it, and I'm 63 years old. How could I tell you too often that I love you? Can't be done in my book. Ruthie and I love you very much. And we feel a lot of love in this church, and we appreciate that. 
And, you know, I don't care if you walk through the door of this building for the first time today. I hope, my prayer is, my hope and my prayer, my faith says, feel the love of Christ in this place. Because there's too many churches out there where you just don't feel anything, you know. You know, I know this sounds silly, but people don't sleep in this church. I know that if someone falls asleep in this church, they had a really bad night. You know? Have you ever noticed that I eventually make eye contact with every single solitary person in the room, right? Because I love you. And if you're asleep, I pray for you. How many of you know I can multitask? I can multitask. I can preach. I can pray. I can say, oh, Father, touch that person. If I ever accidentally stop talking sermon and go, oh, Father, in Jesus' name, touch that person, you, you look around and somebody will be asleep. <laughs> Our God is a good God, amen?